Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether and how politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Raj Patta and I'm a minister in the United Stockport Circuit of the Methodist Church. And each week I'm joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape. Today I'm very pleased to introduce my guest, Ruth Harvey, where Ruth leads the Iona community, which is an international ecumenical Christian movement working for justice and peace and the rebuilding of community and the renewal of worship. Ruth supports uh, its volunteer membership, acting as its public representative, offering theological direction and pastoral support. Such a delight having Ruth with us. It's great to be here, Raj. Hi. Yeah, hi, Ruth. Yeah, very warm, warm welcome to this uh, Politics in the Pulpit podcast. And thank you for joining us today. So, uh, Ruth, politics in the pulpit. I wonder what that means for you. And maybe could you tell us a little about uh, yourself and whether you see yourself or not as a pulpit politician? It's <laughs> a great question. Uh, before I answer, Raj, just to let you know that there's an there's a elderly Labrador wandering around behind me. So if you hear some pitter-patter, that's what it is. Um, she's called Peggy and she's very quiet, but that's who it is. Um, do I see myself as a a politician in the pulpit, um, or words to that effect. I, yes, with small p's. Yes. Um, so I would say that, and I think it's a great thing that you're doing here with this interaction between politics and the, and the pulpit. Um, I've been heavily influenced in my whole life by my Presbyterian background, rooted in um, a preaching tradition. And I guess if I think about the people that have really heavily influenced me, I would think of them all as politicians and preachers with a small p and by that I mean they're people who have um who take the life of ordinary folk incredibly seriously and weave that through their reflections on the gospel and if you know the word politics is about affairs of the state isn't it it's about what is what makes a state a good enough state and mm. at the heart of any state or um province or city um, or neighborhood is the people. And so anyone who takes the lives of people seriously is a politician. And I'm not trying to be silly about that word. There's also party politics, mm. which I think is another area for us to maybe reflect on how do Christians get involved in party politics. But in terms of the polis or the politics of the world, absolutely everything that I reflect on as a leader in the world of faith renewal, faith development, is about the lives of real people, about justice and love and peace at the heart of that. So it's all about politics. Yes, indeed. Mm. And if I think of like George McLeod, who was the founder of the Iona community, and then other preachers that I've been influenced by, like Ian Galloway, Doug Gay, Elizabeth Templeton, Kathy Galloway, Scottish Presbyterian preachers and politicians they might not like that word I don't know I've not asked them but I think of them as people who reflect that kind of yeah. engagement with scripture mm -hmm. uh, super uh, Ruth I mean that's profound the way you say how you perceive politics and how as Christians how should we understand because justice and peace is, is at the heart of Christian discipleship and, yeah. and, and therefore and therefore I'm glad you you would affirm yourself to be a, pul a pulpit politician. So from, <laughs> from your context then, Ruth, 
what would you want us to hear as some key justice issues or political events? Well, I mean, you know, we're speaking today, Raj, on the morning of the 21st of March 2022, and you can't, you know, look out at the world without wondering how people are in Ukraine today. Um, so justice for refugees. And as soon as we think of Ukraine and what's happening there, immediately I remember Yemen and Syria and Somalia and um, Israel-Palestine and Sudan and South Sudan. Um, and, and I think how easy it is for us in our quick fire um, live stream news feeds to forget the other major conflict zones in the world where all people of goodwill, not just Christians, have a deep concern for justice. So right to the heart, and my response to your question would be a, a justice issue that is in front of us is the issue of hospitality, radical hospitality. Yes, for Ukrainian refugees, absolutely. But what about the Afghani refugees who are still in detention in the UK and have not been offered the freedoms that um, a very few in the UK of our Ukrainian friends are being offered. So there's there's justice there for the Afghani refugees who are still in detention. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's interesting how quickly the climate chaos agenda has dropped off the headlines of our news feeds. Mm. You know, when, when another major issue hits us, it can be quite easy to, to suffer from collective amnesia. So I think, you know, we have a duty to bring into the forefront of our thinking and our preaching, um, our concern for the world and the sustainability of our planet. And then yeah. I guess the, the third thing I'd like to bring to us is, you know, I've just, I'm on Mull, the island of Mull right now, and I'm traveling from Iona back to the mainland. And I've just left a group um, in the Abbey on Iona um, of people reflecting on justice for people, um, for the LGBTQ plus community. There's a week of, it's called Breathing Space, and it's a week looking at justice for LGBTQ plus. And I think they've reminded me of the need for us to always be thinking about the folks who are marginalized, who are against whom there is much prejudice in our world, who are scapegoated. Yeah. So um, I guess, you know, just looking up to the horizon, those are the three big issues I would be concerned about. I mean, which which is, I'm sure that our listeners are taking note of it, which, which are very important political justice issues in terms of radical hospitality and welcome or ecological concerns and issues of sexuality and how justice and peace should be at the heart of all these issues. So thank you very much, Ruth, for, for pitching those important justice and political issues. So each week I ask our colleagues from the Joint Public Issues team for a little roundup of their expertise and what they think we might want to be keeping an eye on in the world this week. And you have rightly said about the, the situation in Russia, but here is what our colleagues from the Joint Public Issues team have sent me which is the Russian bombardment of Ukrainian cities continues with attack, attacks escalated in Mariupol and Kyiv. In particular, Ukraine have rejected Russian demands to surrender in Mariupol. So there are unconfirmed reports that the Russian army are abducting Ukrainian civilians and taking them to Russia. And on the other hand, we have Nazanin uh, Zangari Ratcliffe and Anush Ashuri have been returned to the UK after several years of detention in Iran. But UK and USA dual national Murad Tahbaz has not been yet released. And also we have the news that a plane with 130 people on board has crashed into mountains outside the city of Wuzhou in China. 
back home here mps will vote on the nationality and borders bill on tuesday the 22nd march the day this episode will go out and there are suggestions that some tory mps could rebel on several of the government's plans for refugee policy so we are we are urging mps to support lord dubs amendment on family reunion and uh, uh, the chancellor rishi sunak will announce his spring statement on wednesday the 23rd as he faces pressure to help households struggling with the cost of living uh, crisis and the rising cost of fuel and this week the 22nd of march is world water day and we also call to attention that 2 billion people in the world who do not have safe access to safe drinking water and again on the 25th of march is the united nations international day of remembrance of victims of slavery and transatlantic atlantic slave trade and next sunday the 27th of march is the mothering sunday and many churches will mark this with a special service and we are also in this season of lent and on this 6th sunday uh, in lent so there is so much happening in terms of the political landscape and uh, as you will know ruth now metaphorically we have opened our newspapers on one hand now if we turn and open our bibles i wonder if there is any particular passage or a particular theme or a question that has jumped out of you for this week that you would like us to start with well what a round up from your colleagues thank you to them and you know that's just it is that classic karl bart is it was it bart who said have the bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other and i guess what we're we're you know we're now we've got our various um different versions of the bible on one screen and our, our live streams of news on the other i would yeah. love to know what karl bart would make of that now um turning to scripture so the passages that are in front of us for for this um in in the lectionary you know there's a lovely image from um the the, the book of joshua um about the um uh i'm just going to search for the 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 reference here um so there was an, a lovely image of the circle of stones where where that passage is set isn't it and i think that was one image that i just wanted to bring in front of us that today i have rolled away from you the disgrace of egypt and so to that so that place is called gilgal and mm. gilgal is the circle of stones and there's something that threads its way through all these passages about radical hospitality creating a safe haven a circle it might be an open circle open to the sky or it might be a, a safe haven a harbor i've just come from iona where the the waves were rocking the boat um and they're talking about a, a new uh, windbreak for the ferry we know about safe havens and yet so many people in the world don't have them so i think there's something there about um threading the notion of a circle of stones a space to belong mm. um and all the stories that you're mentioning from the press you know about nazanin zagai radcliff radcliff and the other um you know hostages freed and unfreed um you know the people of mariupol who have no safe haven and the circles of stones are the destruction of their houses and their landscape around them so there's a very vivid image there for us to hold on to mm. um and i guess then for me raj the, the the next big kind of set piece from the text for this week is the return of the prodigal mm. so and all the threads that are woven through that story about the the prodigal son returning mm. to this safe haven and um, the sense of injustice felt by the brother perhaps about how come this yeah. favored son is is elevated when i've been the loyal son here and and the 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 difference between equality and justice 
you know, mm. we seek justice, but justice might be asymmetrical. It might not always feel fair. Mm. Um, so, we, we, you know, or equal. So we, we, we strive for justice, but it might not always be equality. And that's an interesting thing. And I think there's perspectives there to bring um, as we look at hospitality and inclusion. Um, so yeah, those are some of the things. And then the, the fascinating passage from Corinthians, which has woven through my life for decades. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've studied it over the years as have many, and, and that, that slightly perplexing set of images about, you know, um, you know, finding newness in Christ. And we, maybe we'll come to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, uh, extremely good, Ruth, the way you have looked at the text for this week. I mean, maybe if we spend some time on the Old Testament reading where Joshua, that circle of the Gilgal, the open circle. I mean, yeah. how did you understand like, when, when the, the writer says, today I have rolled away from you the disgrace of oppression or Egypt. So what does that mean for us, rolling away of the oppression or the oppressive systems and, and struggles? I mean, I guess if you're speaking from a context of being the oppressed, and I have to say my life has been you know, very um, free and open. I don't know that I've experienced oppression in the sense that so many around the world have. But if you're reading that text from the perspective of being the oppressed, I don't know how that would feel. You know, does it feel trite, a, a truism? I have rolled away the stone, um, mm. you know, in my grandioseness, come along, you know, feel welcome. Yeah. And yet there must be something there about um, an invitation to all of us to cast our minds back and consider those moments of, of being downcast, of being oppressed, of being um, oppressed like those in the basements in Ukraine right now are being oppressed. So mm. all these extremes and asking, what does faith mean in that context? Mm. To what extent can I um, draw on? And I've heard some people from, from you know, some of the podcasts and the interviews from Ukraine, people talking about their faith in the, in the face of such destruction, um, talking about drawing strength from the knowledge that, that God's love surrounds them. And somehow, some way, there will be some, some way out of this, mm. um, not dismissing the pain that is there and the, 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 the horror that is there. So I guess there's a there's an invitation to cast our minds back about what what kind of oppression might we have felt and experienced in the past? How is that being translated now? And what um, where can I see the spaces in my life? And how can I create the spaces for others to walk to walk into an open space? You know, we, we talk on Iona at the Abbey about offering radical hospitality, and I sometimes think you know we need to be cautious about that that phrase glibly floating off our tongue. Radical hospitality for me has to mean costly hospitality. It has to be a hospitality. And I think this is what, what God offers us in that circle of stones, a mm. hospitality that changes the, the giver so that, you know, as we open our doors to refugees, um, as we um, open our doors to the other, um, mm. people whose lives are a little bit different from ours, so we must be changed. It's like I was listening recently to a, a, a podcast about singing in harmony and about mm. the small adjustments you have to make when you're singing in harmony with others um, in order to accommodate the differences in voices. Mm. That's a tiny little kind of metaphor for the 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 the, na the the notion that we as the if you're if you're if you're receiving or opening your doors to the other, be expect to be changed, expect mm. it to be uncomfortable. Um, yeah. So those are some of the thoughts that come yeah. when I. 
of that mm. image, Raj. What about no, you? What do you think? No, you're right. I mean, because I was thinking, what are these modern spaces of Gilgal? Like, in a sense, what is it mean? What is it to be welcomed? I mean, again, as as we read the passage, in he says it when the, when they encamped in Gilgal, they started to eat the produce of the land, which means they worked hard, they tilled the land. So, in terms of inclusion, and when people from outside return or come to a place. That, that open arms and allowing people to be included, assimilated, integrated, and to work hard to produce and eat. Because from then, from then on, the manna stopped, stopped falling on them. So, so sure. I, I, for, me, for me, I'm thinking in, in, the con, in the context of hospitality, if people are being welcomed, it is not just welcome on the terms of the host, but welcome where there is an interplay of guest and host, where there is a conscious inclusion, where there's a conscious integration, where we all work together, work hard, eat together, cook together, and then eat the produce of the land. Yeah. And again, you know, that's brilliant. I love that. And, uh, you know, again, on Iona, if um, we, we offer hospitality and um, in the sense that we welcome guests to come and join us, to live in community with us. And it's not about the, the hosts in our benevolence offering this to others it's about noticing the kind of new chemistry that happens every time the host and guest interact and so every single week we recreate we regenerate that sense of community because it has to be different because there's different people there yeah. and we're all there on equal terms even though we bring a, um you know different perspectives so that guest host interaction it's a new way of doing mission isn't it it's about you know working in partnership with one another where we'll all be changed um, and, you know, the link for me in in terms of um, this passage and, and, and where it's helping us read the signs of the times is about, you know, you rightfully reminded us of the, 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 the engagement with the land as well. And the notion that creation, that the, the, the landscape around us is is the big book of creation and the Bible is the small book of creation. I think that's a very useful reminder that all around us by looking at the land around us and how we interact with the land and how we steward the land uh, and all living sentient beings on it um, is as much the, the source of our wisdom for understanding God's call as mm. looking at sacred texts mm. is also. Mm. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, really powerful thoughts. And I'm sure our listeners this week who will be engaging, if they're engaging on the book of Joshua, though there are those Zionist overtones, I'm sure they will speak in terms of what it means to be modern Gilgals and how do we understand hospitality and how we can be in open circles. I mean, again, in symbiosis with the creation and the land and together making harmony and bringing uh, joy and peace and equality. I mean, that rightly takes us to the gospel reading from Luke, where again, we have food and preparation and things like that. And you have rightly said about from the perspective of the the other son who have been complaining so what are your thoughts on this text well i guess it's about the asymmetry of love isn't it you know as a as a parent as a child of parents as a sibling as a neighbor you know we strive for justice and fairness but it might not always be equal so and and i know those words have overtones so i, I would be the first to advocate equality in the workplace equality in, in life but if we think about you know, there are times when we have to prioritize um, the needs of some over the needs of others. Um, and I wonder if that's what was going on in this story. And is, is that part of the metaphor for the return of the prodigal, um, the, the son who's, you could say, squandered the wealth 
and yet actually is equally loved by the father um, mm. but might feel unfair to, to the other son. Um, mm. And I think, you know, as a woman, for example, so I've grown up in the Presbyterian Church. The year I was born was the year that women were able to be ordained into ministry. So I've only ever known a, a church where women have been um, ordained as, as equals with men, but that has not always been the case. And even though that is the case right now, there is still a struggle for equality for women in many workplaces. But I've just been with my friends who are living in the church um, as LGBTQ plus folks, and their sense of struggle is is huge compared to mine on, on many levels. And so, you know, it's not about, you know, whose struggle is more important than somebody else's, but it's about noticing where energy needs to go collectively for yeah. a period and acknowledging that that doesn't mean that every other struggle is and, and injustice needs to be forgotten about, no. but there are periods when we need to focus in some or other directions and that's hard mm. and there will be fallout. Um, and I guess for me, the key thing in there is the way we share our justice, the way we talk to one another, the, mm. the mood, the tone, the language we use, both to one another to express that solidarity and and shared concern for justice, but also then the different kind of language we use to our politicians when we say, you know, for example, the the, the deep irony of um, of Boris Johnson focusing, drawing some weird parallel between the freedoms that he's bundling up with Brexit and the freedoms that are being expressed by the people in Ukraine, and it's a weird very very dangerous comparison which we as people of good faith need to call him out on and say you cannot do that mm -hmm. the very freedom that you're articulating is precisely the reason why we are not welcoming people into this country with open arms so we we need to get involved in the guddle and the mess of of um all justice concerns and there are times when we need to elevate some and that mm -hmm. might feel like we're pushing others down um, and I think the way we the way we talk, the language we use needs to have a different tone and different context, whether we're talking to one another with compassion and and then using a different kind of language to talk robustly to our political leaders. And by the way, back to that um, party political thing, I remember once um, having a conversation about the Christian in politics and how does a Christian get engaged in politics and a wise guru um, saying to me, um, the role of the Christian is to hold everyone who has power to account. So no matter what flavor of political party is in government at the moment, it's the role of the Christian and of all people of, of good faith and good goodwill to hold anybody who's got any power to account and to keep continually ask, you know, at what point does your power corrupt? Um, and at what point are you speaking out of turn? And to ask that of ourselves also and of our church structures, which have power lodged within them, so um, at some level, any conversation about politics and party politics is about power and how yeah. we distribute that power. Mm. Um, and that's another reason why it's essential that Christians get totally engaged with politics, because mm. at the heart of the gospel, Jesus is always talking to us about the distribution of power um, and how to balance the, the scales of justice. Yeah, you're right, Ruth, because unless we nail this power, because most it has always become the knowledge of knowledge is power but whose knowledge is power knowledge of the powerful is power <laughs> yeah. 
So therefore, what you are, I think, challenging us and all our listeners this week is to see that, uh, I mean, we are called to speak truth to the power and we are called for to ask accountability of people who are in power, be it in church or in society or in the government. And I think that is part of a Christian discipleship. And I mean, if you see this text from Luke 15 this week, where uh, we see, again, the father and the two sons. I mean, as I read it, I, I was thinking if it was the mother, how would she, she would have handled the whole situation? And I, I am trying to read this passage from, again, from my decolonial lens to see, I think the mother would have sought that reconciliation. We will speak in the second Corinthians in a while, but she would have saw that uh, allowing both the, both, both the sons to hold in love and accept one another, receive one another. And then I, I, I was, as I'm reading it, I'm seeing through as a mother, how she would have skilled it, skilled through it. I mean, <laughs> helping, helping both, both the son and the father here to stay united. Again, we are now thinking of this reunion and we are, the, the parliament is debating about the nationality and borders bill, which is again about how people can be reunioned. And if there are bars and layers, if families cannot be reunioned, I think it is it's a huge loss unless we, we we provide uh, mechanisms and we provide policies that are friendly in terms of celebrating reunion. So for me, I see a mother god in this text. Yeah. How, yeah. how the mother god is weaving through that reconciliation, weaving through so that all of us hold and celebrate this, this love that God has given us. I mean, the Nationality and Borders Bill is an abhorrence and I'm so glad that the that the amendments um, are being presented and, and it's my deep prayer and hope that the petitions that have been signed by many thousands of people will be adhered to and that yeah. the, the, the language will at least be softened and made more compassionate. But it's just an indication, Raj, of the, uh, uh, yeah, and I'm going to use the phrase hostile environment and I know that it's controversial, but I think, you know, that I've been with people this last week who say yes to everything, but not naively, and not stupidly, but the basic stance is, of course. Um, and then, you know, questions about, you know, how are we going to do this and how are we going to manage this come along. Um, but a basic ethic of welcome is not present in our political structures right now. In yeah. fact, it's the opposite. It's a basic ethic of hostility. Yeah. Prove yourself. Show us why you matter. Um, yeah. Convince us that you're worthy. You know, there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a very so. I think you're very you're, you and your colleagues are right to 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 raise that um, monstrosity of a bill up in front of us, and let's hope that something good will come of it this week. Mm. Mm. Um, I think it's interesting. You know, I, I love your imagery of you know what would it be like to have imagine God as as a mother in this in this text. And I have to say, as a woman, I I I, I do love that, and I also am aware that you know it. It's not. It's not the case, and you'll notice that 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 all all feminine imagery is is welcoming, and 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 um, you know, there 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 are many remarkably reconciling men in my life yeah. and yeah. gifted men. But that's not what you were saying, and I, and I hear that, and I think, you know, I think of Jacob and Esau and Cain and Abel and other yeah. sibling rivalry in the Bible, where you know Mary and Martha. You know, there's lots of really good stories of 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 finding ways to it with the asymmetry of love when it's yeah. not always 
equal, but it's always fair. Yeah. Um, or that's the striving. How do we find the language to, to, to show the deeper union, reconciliation? I think that's where the Corinthians passage is probably taking us. Yes, I, I think, yeah. So I think Corinthians is, again, the text where Paul is writing to the church there about the new creation in Christ and how Christ has reconciled. And I think the calling he says is, you are called to be the ambassadors of such reconciliation. So what are your thoughts on reconciliation for our times today? Well, when I read that text, I just had this song in my head. I've got friends in South Sudan who work through the... Um, the, the 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 Bible college there in, in, in Juba and they came to Scotland and they brought a song about being ambassadors in Christ. So I've just got in my head these wonderful friends of mine of mine from Nile Theological College in South Sudan who's singing about being ambassadors. Um, and I, you know, for me, hearing them speak, and there's a link here to reconciliation, they were in Scotland with us, and then we were in Juba with them, learning from one another about the skills for mediation um, mm -hmm. and reconciliation. Um, through a little fantastic organization called Place for Hope, a Scottish-based charity that does mediation and faith-based organizations. And um, so that's just the, my, my little yeah. image that I've got is of, is of them singing this. Mm. And I think, you know, the, 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 the tough um, bit of text here that I find really challenging, we regard no one from a human point of view. That's a really challenging bit of text because if you stop at that point, you think, well, what about the incarnation? You know, what about the, the gutsy relational stuff that is shot through the gospel? And you're saying to us, regard no one from a human point of view. But then, of course, it goes on that to be in Christ, so yeah. to be reconciled with Christ, you have to throw away the old and welcome in everything that is new. Everything old has passed. See, everything has become new. And, you know, it, it's a, kind of a fairly stark bit of text. But I think there's something about folding ourselves into Christ. And I love that notion of being folded in that, you know, it's it's an enveloping of everything that you already are with everything that is new. So that what emerges is, is totally new. It's a radical revolutionary approach to, to looking at the world. Revolutionary as in turning completely around and looking at the world from, from the 180 degrees, the, the other side. So, and I love that notion of what revolutionary means. It just means a revolved view of that which is normal. Yeah. So, or that which seems to be normal. Um, so then the hard work of reconciliation, the deep listening, the listening in order to be changed, um, the, the, the listening and the willingness to enter into a, a relationship with somebody expecting that you're going to it's going to be painful and that you will change and that things will be different. So reconciliation can often seem like a, a soft blanket that covers mm. tough stuff. In fact, no, mm. if you think of, you know, the Truth and Reconciliation Commissions from yeah. Liberia to Northern Ireland to South Africa, they're yeah. all about really tough conversations, which involves radical inner transformation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's what this Corinthians passage is all about. Mm. Mm. So, which, which is profound, Ruth, where you are saying that if at all we need to be ambassadors of reconciliation, we need to have an attentive listening and yep. we, we are called to strive because the emphasis Christ has done what he has to do. And now Christ is saying as an ambassador of Christ, we are called to make reconciliation and strive for reconciliation in a world torn by war and conflict uh, in, in this situation. Yes. And so, so we should be, as politicians, listening to the refugees, listening to the folks who are in detention right now. We should be calling on our political leaders to do the same and noticing the power that we have and yeah. that we can wield in the world to, to bring that justice to everybody. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much uh, for coming, Ruth, and for sharing your wisdom and your thoughts. I- I'm sure our listeners uh, w- would appreciate and as they stand on the pulpits in their own local congregations, I'm sure they- these conversations will be helpful for them. Uh, and I also need to thank all our listeners because they have been uh, enjoying this uh, con- these conversations. And if you have enjoyed uh, this this episode of the Politics on the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to uh, your podcast and share this episode with your friends. Uh, if you want to join our conversation, the best places are on our social media, on the Twitter at politi- pulpit underscore politics or hashtag politics in the pulpit or on our Facebook community, or you can access through the joinpublicissues.org.uk. So uh, thank you once again, Ruth, for joining us this week and for sharing uh, those profound thoughts. And all the best with your work at Iona Community. Thank you. Keep continuing to inspire many. I mean, I was one when I came. It really was a transforming place for me. It's been a real pleasure to meet with you, Raj, and um, and I look forward to um, further encounters with you and your team. Sure. Thank you very much, Ruth. Uh, the question that I would like to ask our listeners this week as they think and ponder uh, are, is, like, how do we as ambassadors of Christ impact reconciliation in a, world, in a world torn by war and conflict? So from these passages, this question is what I want, want to leave, and we will allow people to reflect and uh, uh, make some reflections on this question. So... Before we end, uh, listeners, again, we know we have our Joint Public Issues Team's 2022 conference coming up on the 11th of June. Please log on to our website to book your tickets. And uh, uh, so finally, let's go into a world, uh, into both our politics and our pulpits with a prayer, praying for people living in fear, conflict, and war. Let us pray. Loving God, We pray for people who are caught up in war, conflict, and living in fear, particularly remembering people in Ukraine, for people living in Yemen, Syria, Somalia, for all those suffering and are afraid. Lord, you be close to them and you protect them. We pray for our world leaders. Lord, grant them the compassion, strength, and wisdom to guide their choices. And may we walk in your ways so that peace and justice becomes a reality for all the people in our context today. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.